0: Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I am your host, D-Palm. Follow me on Twitter at D-Palm66. Follow the show on Twitter at U-D-Pod. Follow the entire MTR network at, you guess it, the MTR network. You found us. Don't you dare lose us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere you get your podcasts for absolutely free 99 around the network this week. Make sure you check out Chris and I's retrospective as we continue going back over the Agents of Shield as we shut down Super Tuesday podcast for the first time in a decade. Very sad days, but very fun days there. Uh, we've also been doing a lot of stuff on Character Corner. And if you go on Premium, you can hear our thoughts on the Nick Fury uh, Secret Invasion series over on Disney+. Plus. But today we're here to talk about sports. We're talking talk about sports with one of my good friends, a former, a fellow alumni of the Dude You Crazy website, Doodoo Podcast Nation, uh, noted hater of the entire state of Missouri. We've got Jason Smith. What's up, Jason?
1: Hey, Palmer. How's it going?
0: It's going great, man. It's going great. It's a Sunday morning. It's uh, It's good to talk to a friend about some sports. Um, before we get into anything, I do want to ask you this. I brought this up with Chad during podcast week. Um, you've got a son. You've got two kids. i got my son coming in a couple weeks. What do I do... Like if my son's born in the third of three straight national titles, <laughs> like how do I correct that, or how do I like, or is that just gonna be one of those generational gulfs that I'll never understand him and he'll never understand me?
1: Yeah, I uh, I truly don't know the answer to this question. <laughs> I um I, I teach high school for those that are new you know new to the pod, and I had the day after the national championship game, I had my class of like juniors together. Um, we were talking about the game a little bit right before class and one of them looked at me and said, you know, it's just really, really sucked Dr. Smith watching that game. I just knew Georgia was going to win the whole time. And I was like, I am in the upside down. Like this is <laughs> not anything. I, I think I looked at her and was like, Oh, you sweet summer child. You have no idea the pain that we've endured <laughs> to get to this place. Like there, there's no game I could ever watch at Georgia football where I would think we're fine. Nothing the TC one happen. was
0: close though. The TC, TC one was, was close as it
1: came. Yeah, I think that's the only time I've ever felt comfortable with a halftime lead. <laughs> that is. Make...
0: <laughs> but uh See, but here, yeah, it's I, not I, just me. We're all traumatized by this team.
1: Yeah. Well, like like my daughter was watching. We'll get. In, I think we're gonna get to the U.S. Women's National Team later. Yeah. But like my my daughter was watching them lose, and like that was kind of like her first experience of like really bad sporting outcomes happening to her team. Because like Georgia hasn't given her one yet. Like she. She's now sports conscious enough to root for them, but she's never experienced. I mean, my God, really? Like, think of how many losses. My my kid's seven, so she wasn't really like aware of anything until right. like three or four, right? So we're talking twenty seventeen. I kind of remember her think knowing about sports for second and twenty six, but not really. She didn't really experience that. Yeah. So maybe five or six is when she starts to understand, which is the COVID year, and then. After the COVID year, we begin winning national titles. So, like, she doesn't know what it's like for Georgia to lose a big game. We played tennis, my in laws were over for the Tennessee game this year. And I was, we had, I really was telling her, like, Amelia, you have to understand, like, we Sometimes might, lose the game. and she was like, no, we're not going to lose the game. <laughs> like, we always, I was like, no we really might lose the game and it'll be disappointing and I might be a little upset about it, but it's okay if that happens. And then about in the second quarter, she's looking at my father-in-law going like Georgia's win. And like a total just dunking on them the entire time. So yeah, she has a, Eventually, it's going to snap back to reality, and I feel like she has a rude awakening coming that I at least know that I'm going to be a good emotional support animal for... Yeah, you,
0: we've walked sports this path before. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? Like, we are the Jedi Knights of the sports are awful and you should stop caring, like, you know, uh, so, and for my, my, my son, I have no idea what he's going to know, because, you know, I mean, I was born in, like, the... The 80s. So back then it was like it was pretty unheard of to see Georgia losing consistently back then, too. Um, But that's not. But then by the time I was aware enough to get into sports, it was rank off era. And then we know that it did not sure. go very well for Georgia at all. So, you know, it's these, these things come in cycles. Who's to say what your son will remember will actually like the team he will inherit when he is.
0: That's fair. Right now, let's be super selfish. I'm talking about for me, like if I get to associate my son's year of birth with a third straight title, like, Mm -hmm. will I still care about sports? Like, like, that's a real concern for me. (laughs) Will any of this matter to me anymore?
1: I, and I know that we, we're we not going to turn it into a Georgia football podcast necessarily today, but I will say that a thing I was thinking about the other day is I don't, we keep, people keep asking like, is Georgia the new Bama? And my answer to that always is I really hope not because winning that much, I feel like deadens you a little bit. Like Bama, the experience of being a Bama fan to me must be so unpleasant. Like you're just yeah. either, there's no joy. You're either a ho-hum or you're perennially full diaper
0: mad about you're sleep. mad or you're or you're relieved there's no happiness
1: the i i'm gonna say this now so it's out <laughs> in the public record i've told people this before though that the, the the type of success i want at georgia is lsu success which is every five or six years crazy natty and then real weird the rest of the time fun always interesting hurts you sometimes a little bit you get these like you get joe burrow and you also get like i don't know uh what was the guy's name the
0: name guy? another quarterback name any other quarterback
1: <laughs> well you get like you get joe burrow and then you get zach mettenberger you know you get yeah. uh john is john david who, who came that who that it is? Again,
0: which will never not be funny
1: <laughs> yeah like so so and you know you get all kinds of fun stuff at LSU. So I, that's that's the kind of stuff I want. It's like sometimes you're a dumpster fire, sometimes you're winning national titles. Let's you you just a be interesting. Yes, like that's,
0: interesting. And we'll talk about more when we talk about realignment and how some of this is going to be lost in the wash. But uh, let's talk about now something you just mentioned, your daughter's first real experience with sports disappointment. The U.S. women national team lost last week, obviously. I think the story now is obviously people who know more about soccer or football, or whoever you may be, wherever this podcast be hitting you, um, are going to talk about tactics and why the coach was a bad fit and things of that nature. And I'll tell you from just like a team-building perspective, it's really tough to build for the future and the now at the same time. You watch the Warriors try to do it last year, decided it didn't work, and they ship Jordan Peele pool out, and they got Chris Paul, which is clearly a we're playing for now, not tomorrow move. There was never that concerted effort. Like I think if you'd gone out in the round at 16 with a bunch of U21s, it had felt different. It had hit different. And so, but I think the response now, like a week later, we removed the weirdness has been obstentially patriotic Americans celebrating the end of this. And I know what it is. I know that they've been waiting to boo these women since Megan Rapino kneeled in 2016. They've been waiting, but they couldn't because the winning was so unassailable. But Jason, it's eight years later, it feels like weird and impotent and like, at another time I would say crazy and un-American, but also like 2023.
1: I mean, my one take on that is that you clearly, I mean, you obviously do, but it's like people who are surprised by this, I don't think truly understand the American conservative movement, which is like it's based off of so much grievance holding and like they got a list, they're checking it twice kind of stuff. And when, it, when that, in, when that finds its way into sports for people who've like violated the cause du jour. And in that case, it was Rapino kneeling. And then also the team, I think fighting for equal pay quite vocally. How dare they? Yeah. Right. Like when, when that stuff happens, I think, you know, I'm not surprised at all that we're having Alexi Lawless, out here saying that you know this team is divisive and in other words basically they kind of deserve this they deserve to have their loss Mm -hmm. celebrated by americans which you know if the shoe were on the other foot and if say like christian pulisic who you know i believe has a pretty hard right-wing political views or at least has liked certain things on instagram that, that point that way um if i were to celebrate him like you know, whiffing a shot in the World Cup or something like, you know that the lawlesses of the world would be like you're being completely unpatriotic and allowing politics to get in the way. So like for them, people being divisive is obviously always for people like lawless. You being divisive is always reason for you to be punished, whereas for if the shoes on the other foot and it's somebody who's further to the right, who's doing these behaviors, that's unpatriotic. Right. When it's the exact same action, it's me celebrating a member of the U.S. Soccer Federation team wearing the crest. Um, me celebrating them doing bad, uh, for political yeah. reasons. And it's, it's, it's dumb. Like, you know, I, there's no real, I mean, like America were bad in the world cup. They were not good. Um, right. they had very few, now the tough thing is the time zone difference means that I've not watched all of the, every minute of these games, but from what I saw, there were very few like roundly, uh, just like slam dunk victories, um, even against Vietnam, they struggled to put up the kind of like 2016, they're so, spraying Megan Rapinoe with water type.
0: So I watched game. enough. I watched enough. Um, vibes were off, which feels weird to say as like analysis, but like, like crossers were like a little late. Like you'd see it come a little late. Like it just didn't feel like there was a level of comfort on the field with the people there. And then you saw some of the stars in other countries who were like, they've been playing together since U19s and now U21s. I'm like, oh, these are squads that have grown together that have played like three national international competitions the last two years together. They're gonna have a different level of synergy than this group that's not not patched together, but felt like it wasn't a cohesive unit. It felt like it was the middle of two teams, one that was leaving and one that yeah. was emerging and that came mm-hmm. down to, and yes, there were great moments, but the consistency of, and again, digressing into vibes is reductive, but vibes, the consistency of vibes weren't there.
1: Yeah, I think you, you I think you nailed it when you said this between two teams, like this is, this is a cohort of, and, and part of this will go back to Vlatko as the manager, um, not deciding which one of those teams he was going to lean into a little bit, um, you know, is this Trinity Rodman and Sophia Smith team, or mm-hmm. is this Megan Rapino and Alex Morgan's team? Like, which one of those
0: is it? Um, and and which team would Rose Lavelle rather be on?
1: Yeah, right. I mean, for real. Um, and to have Lavelle even not start, it, you know, or I guess I I should not short shrift Haran Hor- and um, you know, and Mallory Pugh and all those folks, but um. Yeah, it's just. But to have the deepest
0: team by far by magnitude and not exploit that depth felt like missed opportunities. And again, I don't know shit about soccer. I'm just coming from like a pure, just like sports perspective. Like, hey man, maybe we should try something else. The shit we're doing doesn't seem to be working. No,
1: and I mean, another a really tough thing too is like they were a they were a. Portugal goal away from not even getting out of the group it should be said like if Portugal draws them in that last match and it came very close uh they reminded me honestly just to kind of slander both sides here they reminded me a lot of U.S. men's national team and some of those earlier a few world cups ago where we could we were always you know just whatever way it was going to take to get out of the group we were going to do it the most painful way possible we were going (laughs) to win draw and then maybe like just be desperately hanging on to not screw up in order for for gold
0: differential. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and so like that, the U S women's national team joined a proud American tradition, I guess, in, in doing that this cycle. But you know, at the end of the day, you still have to say that make your penalties, you know, like, like you can, we can gripe so much about tactics, but like if you have two pins that should go in and if they go in matches over and you're moving on to play either, I forget if it's Spain, yeah, Spain. Um, you know, you had the opportunity. So, you it's know, also
0: I, It's also something to be said that that goalie for Sweden stopped the most goals anyone's ever stopped in a World Cup match that didn't allow a goal. She was 11 for a queen sheet. And so, like, there's got to be a psychological carryover into the PKs that says, this woman's been a wall. And, like, maybe I'm not saying that that's the reason you missed those two, but there's a reason yeah. behind it. Um, I'm going to skip the Clay Thompson one. The Clay, the, Clay Thompson was on a podcast this week and expressed his own disgust with flashing the four rings when he was getting blown out. By the sons. I just thought it was a good statement to like actual emotional maturity. You're going to be like, that was childish. Everyone knows how many rings I have. I shouldn't have done that. I, I applauded that, um, but something I don't applaud. <laughs> and I just want to make sure I get the quotes here. So there's a Phil Mickelson book coming out <laughs> by a professional gambler Billy Walters. The book's called Gambler's Secrets from a Life of Risk. And it includes that Phil Nicholson bet more than $1 billion on football, basketball, and baseball over the past 30 years and attended the place a $400,000 wager on team USA in the 2012 Ryder cup in which he participated. <laughs> the, my favorite thing about like doing, being able to like capture my thoughts weekly about sports is that I'll say a thing years ago. Like I'll make a bunch of Phil Mickelson gambling jokes and everyone will think I'm kidding. And then a book like this comes out, and I'm so much rather <laughs> than like I could have possibly.
1: Even you knew. <laughs> just,
0: there's no way for me to have been like I, I'm sure Phil has a gambling problem. That's why I joined Live, and Phil to be like, actually, I've gambled over a billion dollars. There was it's, a. It's uh... not funny, but it's hilarious. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you never want to make fun of somebody's gambling addiction, but also, like, yeah. Phil Mickelson, Phil Mickelson has walked himself into this position where some of these quotes are going to be funny. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean. You don't want to make fun of people's gambling addiction where it actually hurts their lives. I'm yeah, not sure but, I'm not sure Phil Mickelson could lose all the money if he tried, and apparently the effort's been made. He's tried. <laughs> he the really effort has been tried. put forth. I can't blame him for lack of trying. Um this is actually a big sports media story that I think went underreported or got reported like weirdly this week. So let's do this a long way. Barstool Sports is an outfit out of Boston, Massachusetts. It was bought by the Churning Group, I want to say 10 years ago. The Churning Group then sold it to Penn, uh, a, a gambling company. And they opened up sports books in different cities. They have restaurants now. And now ESPN is receiving i believe it is they're giving yeah 500 million dollars to espn over 10 years which is i guess 1.5 billion dollars in cash over 10 year term tsp an espn that's been hemorrhaging money and citing uh financial losses pins come in to be their gambling link. so now everything you've seen like barstool bets now become espn bets the bet by pin is that in short the barstool brand was had a ceiling on it, and they hit that ceiling. They weren't growing in the other states. There's a big two in sports gambling, FanDuel and DraftKings, and they want to be the third. They figured the best way to do that is to license themselves to the ESPN brand. In doing so, they sent Barstool back to Dave Fortnoy for $1, and um, the PIN filing says it will cause a pre-tax non-cash loss of between 800 and $850 million. Hmm. <laughs> Now is that bad? <laughs> I think that's
1: bad. I feel like I've been told that's bad.
0: It's a little on the nose for a gambling money of a gambling company to be betting on old media. Um, but you've seen the responses to this. You've seen Metal Arc and uh Levitard show and DraftKings expand their attempts at a network. You've seen that the the idea is that with market share, if I can also offer you gambling in that same place, then it eliminates the need for you to go out to their parties. So ESPN's bet or Penn's bet really is that ESPN's brand is so strong that, coupled with what Penn already has and licensing they've already acquired, they'll be able to put serious dents into the duopoly that is at the top of this sphere. This is fucking crazy, right? (laughs) Because you and I are old enough to where like Pete Rose was like a cautionary tale in the world, and now it feels like a race to the bottom to see how we can take and like and i'm not doing this ironically on the heels of me making fun of phil mickelson because now you've got a generation of kids whose entire prism with which they view sports will be through spreads and over-unders and parlays yeah and they can run all the gambling addictions they can run all the the, the dial this number this is based on what you and i have been told our entire lives harmful to to the general populace correct
1: apparently (laughs) that's what i was i mean you think about us coming up palmer you probably knew all about this before i did because you know i was a southern baptist youth group kid and like never (laughs) knew anything that was even remotely bad uh i didn't know like what an over under was like, I didn't know what a spread was or how that worked. Like, I had to learn that later in my 20s just to kind of, like, figure out what some people were talking
0: about. To have a conversation <laughs> about sports.
1: Yeah, but even then, like, think about it. There were just no conversations about that. Like, the joke yeah. was, and it kind of filtered its way through Twitter a bit. In, like the, I'm going to tell you the early days of Twitter, like 08, 09 Twitter, um, you know, pre-240 Twitter. Yeah. Um, Back in those days, the joke was always like, "What did Musburger ha- What? What? Which side did Musburger have of the spread? Right? Like that was yeah. the that was the, that was basically my introduction to spread." And, 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 and by joke, talk
0: they mean uh, they mean Musburger openly rooting for an outcome during yeah. like a football game. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent.
1: Michael Crabtree catches that touchdown; he's going crazy. You're like, "Yeah, Texas Tech. <laughs> yeah, Tech <in> the spread." <laughs>
0: we were like, all was, Musburger's bookie those days. <laughs> yeah, but I,
1: I mean I think I do think they're so going back to the the media side of this. They're there is a precedent for what Penn is doing and it is all we're (laughs) going to get to realignment in a bit and we'll talk about how american sports are learning all of the bad lessons from british sports which is that you know sky sports is the i think it's the rupert murdoch arm in britain um and it is it has a company called sky bet and so if you're watching soccer on sky sports you can then go to sky bet and place your bet um now england has like a ton of different betting companies. They have a, a real like flooded market with that stuff. But most uh it seems to me at least that the move to combine one of the flagship media companies in which you consume your sports with the place where you can bet on the sports is not without precedent. So like and you can and as you say you were never going to be able to get that with Barstool. And you were also getting, you know, all of the baggage that comes with Barstool. Right. Um, and so for me, like, just as a, you want to be at the forefront of, you know, of like a a land grab, basically of a, of, um, of a movement to get sports gambling, just completely ubiquitous overnight, basically. Um, you know, if if that's what you're after, then I think this is going to work. Uh, but I don't, as you say, I think we're we're in the Jurassic park question of, we keep saying whether or not (laughs) we could, but we never asked whether or not we should, uh, like, I asked I don't, this question. my show. answer is
0: to that. By the way, I asked the question on the show a couple months ago when they did the NBA draft, and you watched the draft odds change based on a Sham Sharani a tweet about who is rumored to go number one. Sham Sharani also has a deal through FanDuel, so his information through their platform actively changed their like. That's where it's like, oh, is this going to be ESPN now playing harder ball or different ball with these rights deals? It's like, yeah, we can have yes. It's more advantageous for you is it them taking back some of those powers where it or a rights company will say again just say hey here's the number and say oh no no no. by coming to espn you also have access to the the x number largest betting platform in the planet or the, the however they want to frame it it's mm-hmm. it is i like talking to you about these things because you're like me you can like mentally game now where it's like oh that oh didn't that super poorly this yeah like like I don't think my worry with
1: this is not that like athletes are going to be betting a lot like I no. care very little about that you know like there's that story recently about I forget if it was the Iowa or the Iowa State punter who, who Iowa punter money, the Iowa punter who put money on El Asico for the under which by the way which that is not gambling. that person he he should be giving a plaque he should not be giving a section anyway <laughs> that's not what I'm worried about like that is fun that's fine Um, you know like Talk your crap. If you think your team's gonna win, I think you should go to go down there and put a bet on yourself and be like, Or if you think
0: your team just can't score points, you should also be able to invest wisely.
1: (laughs) Yes. If you are a member of the University of Florida in 2021, about to have to play to Kobe Dean, you should be able to go bet against yourself. I feel like that's a good hedge on your emotional health. (laughs) Um, but I think you're right. What we worry about now is especially in college sports, well, I'll say specifically in college football and college basketball where perception is a currency that gets you to the stuff that you want at the end of the day. Like the reason that Georgia, if we go like 11 and one and then lose the S like win the SEC, something, you know, imagine like a two loss Georgia becoming the four seed in the playoff, right? Like that is based on perception and on media, like a sort of sedimentation of people just saying over and over again, that Georgia's good. And I'm sure we'll screw somebody over like an 11 and one Washington or something. It's probably better in that point. Maybe. Um, But perception is stuff. Perception is currency in a sport where the playoffs and the tournament is determined based on like a subjective ranking from people. If you put this dynamic in there where you begin to not be quite as honest about your perspective on teams because you're afraid of it affecting some sort of thing, you also have a stake in as far as odds and payouts and whatnot. Then like, yeah, that that begins to corrode a little bit uh like the objective i guess it's always an illusion anyway but sort of like the objective idea that like you, you're gonna get in or not get in based on like your true merits and so i think you're right like this is the thing about media and how we're gonna talk about the stuff that happens on the field it has very little to do with anything that's gonna happen on
0: the field but but then it, as you just point out inadvertently it ends up affecting what we see on the field like if they're like <laughs> oh guess what uh, Ohio State didn't win the Big Ten, but the, their fans do travel and they do show up for these things. So, guess what? They're going to have to. It, it just feels, it just, it, it, it got a lot more naked once COVID hit and the live attendance gates got endangered for like 45 minutes. And yeah. so, it's just, it's one of those things horse out the barn. They're never going to put it back in the barn. Another the thing I horse out the barn about, that's a hard, horrible segue. I apologize for it. Um, Hard Knocks like is you. back. Hard Knocks <laughs> is back. This is the first year I've watched it in years. I don't know if you've watched episode one. They just filleted Aaron Rodgers for 49 minutes. Sure. And um, the only reason it's interesting to me to even talk about is because one, it's the beginning of the NFL brainwashing cycle that I fall into every year, but also two, like that worm is going to turn on Aaron Rodgers. <laughs>
1: Oh, and when God, it turns that's...
0: in New York, it's, he <laughs> works for the Pfizer people. The Pfizer guy signs his checks. Like, does no one told him yet?
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I they, they've never known the New York media to turn on a guy. Uh, you know, they they didn't shoot straight. <laughs> those uh, those New York media folks, they're always on the line. You could have just done party.
0: quarterbacks with Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions has put out the greatest piece. Of quarterback brainwashing material I've ever seen I am naturally inclined to distrust may dislike a quarterback as someone who was once asked to tackle them and then asked to protect them I do not enjoy the fact that tall kickers are the most regaled athletes in the sport however this look at three quarterbacks who last year's season first of all it's a great to be like oh my god that happened just last year like, uh, last year, Brian Flores sued his ex-team and the NFL for three. Like, that was last season. Last season, they uncovered a scheme where Tom Brady would buy the Dolphins and then become the quarterback. That was last season. Last season, Patrick Mahomes lost to the Colts in week three. Oh, yeah.
1: And then later in that
0: same season, Jeff <laughs> – they pulled hey, – Amen. man. They let Jeff Saturday coach an NFL team. Oh,
1: my God. I forgot about
0: that. <laughs> and then that. <laughs> they let that NFL team go up three or three points on the Vikings. And then Kirk Cousins came back in the largest comeback in NFL history. <laughs> that was all last season. It's crazy to me. I'll can tell I you what you said. You, had, you wait, haven't watched it yet. Can
1: I ask the, the million-dollar question? I have yes. not watched quarterback. This is the mm-hmm. thing that I've heard. We were talking about this a bit off air, but I want to ask you now officially. Do
0: you like Kirk Cousins? Is that a thing? I don't like him. But okay. I think I get why every I I don't like, I I would never hang out with Kirk Cousins, but I'll I respect the shit out of them, and I think mm. that's the wildest thing. Like I was watching it with Susan, and it's very interesting to watch sports things with Susan because she didn't do sports before we got together. Like it was just like she grew up in small town Georgia. It was like those sports guys are assholes. I understand that, getting that impression. So she watches this, and she's like. Wait, do people like Kirk Cousins? I go. Actually, I think the large consensus is he's just like he's he is what he is. But no one disactively dislikes Kirk Cousins. For me, the 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 quintessential moment in that documentary was there is a almost I think it was in uh, playoff games. Mahomes and them go down, and Mahomes grabs his helmet and says, "Let's go!" And Kirk goes down and goes, oh, shoot!" And it was just so it was so interesting to see how confidence influences how you play how you perform and obviously how it's generated because you've had history of following these places it's harder to generate and so she said well why did the teammate seem like he liked him so much i go because he's so genuine like at no point do you feel like the kirk cousins oeuvre is fake it's a Mm -hmm. lot of things but disingenuous it's not and so whereas a guy like Russell Wilson, <laughs> leaves a team and it's all the backbiting and the criticisms and the question marks because they don't feel like, I feel like if uh, Kirk's corny, you can say whatever you want about Kirk Cousins and he'd be like, yeah, I am. That's probably true. And the ability to stand and be your own man and stand your own 2 I think that is inherently likable as a human being. Would me and Kirk ever got a beard? No. But could I have played with the Kirk Cousins? Absolutely. <laughs> I would have loved to play for Kirk Cousins. Well, can I play with a guy that talented? I sure I sure I'll hope so. Like he's very good at Ooh. football. But he just doesn't have that thing. And if you like Patrick Mahomes, you will leave this documentary loving Patrick Mahomes. It he gives you all that fire stuff that you hear about. You get to see it, and you're like, oh, he just sounds like a man from Eastbound and Down. He's still got this, he's got <laughs> the the real the the fire that's spinning him. I love it. Um, oh,
1: Another Texas Tech reference in the, on the podcast there, little, little oh,
0: Patrick Williams. We're going to get down to his quarterback in, or to his coach in a second when we talk about the Manziel doc. But I do want to talk before we get to the realignment stuff. Did you hear this out of the Washington Commanders camp <laughs> that Ron Rivera <laughs> had to? No, this is a Ron Rivera problem, for the record. The fact that Eric BNM is too mean for some of his players is a problem. <laughs> That's a problem, but it's a deal-withable problem that you have. You see people down in a room and have a conversation. Eric B and me finding out about it, also kind of a problem, because now it's like, what am I doing here? If I can't just be myself and coach, why do I even do yeah. this job? Why Ron Rivera would offer any of this news to the media? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, we've heard it was, ha, craziest shit in the world. They're scared of Eric B. me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, the, I think that's a this is kind of like the um, the fact that Michigan installed a beat Georgia pro, uh, section in their practice. And it's like, all right, guys, how did that get like you don't want anybody to hear about that? That's not a thing you want people to know is a problem It's a thing you're doing. Um, I don't get how, you know, why? No, I thought B enemy's answer to it was, uh, you know, PNM is a, a true professional. He has a, this great answer where he's, like, laying out the ways that he talks to people about, you know, addressing it with players and whatnot. Um, my thing that I want to know, or that I I actually did some, tried to do some digging on this, is he was, Rivera, when he's talking about it, because I was like, some players, I'm like, who are we talking about? Like, I need names. This? I I think I know. Um, Because R- Rivera gave this very telling quote where he was like, uh, you know, guys, young guys coming in, they're not used to that. They've been in a college football program where that type of interaction is not normal. And I thought, okay, that's revealing. Now, who are we talking about? And I went back and looked at their draft picks. Their, some of their offensive selections, one of them was like from Alabama. And I'm like, that's not him. <laughs> him. No you know who it's
0: not. These. Fair enough. We know who it's not.
1: Like you, like you have already, you have felt in your life. If you played it at the University of Alabama, you have felt like you were about to be murdered by someone. So there's the level
0: of stress inherent with taking with playing there that you would not be unfamiliar with.
1: Yes. There now the other two big offensive pieces that they have acquired through the draft. Now he could be talking about recent free agent ac- acquisitions. I did not look through that because I'm not spending that much time on the Commanders roster. Um, the other two people that he drafted were Sam Howell from the University of North Carolina. And Yami Brown from the University of North Carolina. And if there is a college program that I think might be the culprit here is Mac Brown probably does not speak to these, these boys the way that Eric Bieniemy has been talking to them. So I'm wondering if maybe the Tar Heel contingency in the commander's locker room are the people who are whining about this, at least part of the people who are whining about this. This is my this is my conspiracy theory. I've just floated it out there. I'm not responsible if it is accurate or inaccurate. Just just saying. This is
0: not this is not I'm I'm submitting this for lead investigator reporting. Like we'll see if we can get you a Pulitzer. Like we'll see what we can do. Because you may have cracked the code and it's not that hard of a code to crack because if you ask me, give me a list of coaches who probably don't yell at their players enough. Mac Brown's on it. (laughs) It was
1: and then uh then the offensive coordinator we're talking about there is like Phil Longo and I don't know, Phil Longo might throw down a little bit um but I don't think Howell would have been there De'Ami Brown I think I don't know that they would have been there for Longo or not um but yeah that's it's when he said that I was like okay we got to think about like what college programs are talking about here and the only one that really jumped out to me is like well that in Penn State but I feel like because they just drafted Jahan Dotson right yeah but I think Franklin probably lays into some people, right? Like I would not I think, know.
0: I, I don't know. Like that I don't, could also be a culprit. My opinion here on is Franklin Frank. is, uh, I don't know how I feel. I think, I think any Big Ten coach, you can ride that Ponzi scheme to a lot of money.
1: Yeah. Franklin you always. can ride scr- that Ponzi always,
0: scheme of, hey, I was number three in the nation all of a sudden. You can ride right. that Ponzi scheme to a lot mm-hmm. of money.
1: <laughs> well, Franklin also gives off this vibe of like, I'm the executive type coach. You know, I'm like the boardroom guy. Um, and so maybe it is that, like, it was maybe it's Jahan Dotson also being freaked out by the fact that he's all of a sudden being told that, like, you know, like Eric the enemy telling him what's what. But uh,
0: like, it's between can, those it's two like as, a point, to me. as a point of personal and professional pride, if this man has coached Patrick Mahomes to three Super Bowls and two wins, I, I don't know how bad it'd have to be for me to complain. Mm hmm. Knowing knowing that I'm on a team with a lights out defense, like a literally like Super Bowl caliber defense, and if we can get to adequate, we can make some noise, and I'm he's too mean to me. ah, You are
1: extremely lucky if you were these people in this locker room that you are not being named out loud because
0: Yeah. Yeah. Lose two games. We should be telling
1: Yeah. Like, it should be, like, y'all are, like, these pansies over here are the people that are, like, whining about getting yelled at or something. You know, yeah. like, that is what that is I hope you're easy. ready to be
0: scapegoated, my right. friends, because here we are. Maybe yeah. <laughs> like, Ron Rivera's yeah. a genius, and he's building an scapegoat that we don't know anything about. Right.
1: but And I, I will just say, I'm with you, too, of, like, you were probably on, like, the first time of the roster that's going to make the playoffs for the Commanders for the first time under the new name and the first time in quite a while.
0: Like, shut up. Like just let's take this dub and keep know. it moving. Like, ah, uh, let's go forward. Well, yeah. we say go forward. And now we talk to the thing that I really brought you here to talk about 50 years of hip hop. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: no, <laughs> no I, I'm not a good, not a good, not a good guess for that.
0: <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's play in your strings and talk about NCAA football. Let's talk about realignment. Let's talk about how the hell we got here and Jason, congratulations. I'm 38. You're a little bit younger than I am. We've lived long enough to see the SEC become the plucky underdog mom and pop conference. We did it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is like the opposite of dying a hero living long enough to become a villain. It's like it we-
0: just means more, Jason.
1: <laughs> yeah. God, Mike. So this is coming out we just stole texas like we just took texas and Oklahoma. we took a state we, we were, were already
0: in and we took a border state we didn't reach across the country and grab oregon i'm not no. doing this i cannot believe i can defend the sec from any complaints about this it's the funniest thing in the world that we got here but here's where we are so for those of you who don't know and thank god you don't our brains are rotten to the core for knowing all of this but there used to be a bunch of conferences some of them were regarding this <laughs> Power five or power six conferences. There are now four. <laughs> and how we got here is last year the Big Ten, in an obvious money grab, decided to admit or um, USC and UCLA to their uh, to their roster. One of the reasons schools expand or conferences, excuse me, expands because it increases the reach for their media partners and adds that many more homes that can watch their games. Generally, when you add a state, you add a state. You don't get to add parts of the state. So either one of those schools will fulfill that requirement. They took them both. Part of the deal with that was you will not bring in Oregon. They had it in writing with the last AD, but he ain't there no more. So now the director of the Big 12, big excuse me, Big Ten is like, hmm, what about Oregon? And everyone starts sniffing around the Pac 12 because the Pac 12 had no media deal. Why is this important? Because to keep up with the Joneses as far as like flights and accommodations and the money to the schools, they had to be part of some larger media uh media uh profit sharing agreement there's been news that's come out in the last 72 hours i'm gonna go into in a second but i want to give this like thousand three 30,000 foot view we'll first on thursday morning it was thought that they had saved the pac-12 arizona was reportedly gonna sign overnight colorado had already bounced to the to return to the big 12 no one really cared teams schools were on board they thought they'd had some idea of what and by the midday, the Pac-12 was four teams. This is not the first time this has happened in college football. It is the first time it's happened overnight. <laughs> it is the first time it's happened solely the for alacrity. financial reasons. The alacrity is the telling. Is the,
1: because now,
0: like, and we're going to ask more questions about it in a second, but I want to bring up this article that came out, I want to say, three days ago. We've got numbers now. So before there was always this idea that the Pac twelve was holding out for bigger deal XYZ. I'm gonna pull the article up so I can have the actual name in front of me. George Klavikov was the commissioner of the Pac twelve. He had told all of the, the, the people involved that he needed time to get a good deal out. The deal he presented at the time was $23 million a year for Apple that required uh, essentially the schools to be selling $100 annual memberships to the Apple Plus. His problem was that in 2022, the Pac-12 brought in sports media advisors to negotiate media rights. Uh, As a classmate of Klavikov's from Virginia and at law school, Doug Perlman's the head of that business. Doug Perlman has a history in working in media business, but had no experience negotiating media rights deals in the college space. Allegedly, that summer, a deal was on the table that would have netted each member school $30 million a year for ESPN to have all the rights to streaming, and the presidents, when presented with this, said, we want 50. Now, you can say who's in the wrong here, the presidents, ESPN. My opinion is Klavikov's job right then is to convince those presidents that the deal they've got is good enough. Because when they went to ESPN, because his thought his job was to convey the desires of his client. And that's not the job. The job is to get the deal done. He went back to ESPN asked 50. ESPN said, never mind, we don't want any part of it, which is how we end up with a pack four. Yep. Jason, the alacrity is weird. The reasoning's weird. But did we just watch the end of college football? No, no. Okay. I
1: mean, as you say, this has happened before, and I think my end game for this is actually going to be, uh, and I'll talk about a really dumb movie for a second. You're a draft day. We're draft day. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. All right. In draft day, I'll school it for you guys because it's not a super great movie. But he 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 takes this crazy flyer on a linebacker with the first pick and then passing over this great quarterback. And people are like, oh, my God, what is he doing? Um, and he had to give up. I think he traded up. To, he traded up to number one to take this kid and he gives up like a ton of picks to do it. Then at the very end, by some crazy happenstance, people are going ballistic over, like, why he did this decision. And he gets to fleece some other team out of all of his picks. He gets all of his picks back, basically, to make all of the stuff that he wants to do later. I think realignment could end up sort of reverse draft drafting in that we lose now um, regionality and some of the, you know, less corporate stuff that we think makes the game great but that eventually just the sheer size of our country makes it to where eventually when the big 12, the big 10 and the sec own everything, they're going to say, you know what? We need to play regional stuff again. Cause the overhead on flying y'all from Pasadena to Columbus. Is you're ridiculous. eating up, you're
0: eating every $30 million flying a field hockey team around. Like, yeah. that's where I'm like, this is a fiscally silly thing to be doing. Yes.
1: Um. So I think, With that in mind, I think eventually you will see regions return um, or football will become something entirely different. And all the conferences will come back for the non-revenue, what we would call non-revenue
0: sports. I think Um, the latter thing is the the more likely, if only because, like I jokingly said, this 50 years of hip-hop retrospective with Jason Smith. But also, in my lifetime, I've watched hip-hop become less regional, more national. And I've watched mm-hmm. it become objectively worse because it used to be like, oh, listen, outcast, he says streets from Atlanta. If I put on an Aesop Rocky record, he sounds like he's from Houston, but he's from New, New York. Why do everyone sound the same? Same thing happened in baseball. They tried to nationalize that sport and ruined it. They ruined it. The crime dog used to be the biggest star in town. Now Ronald Acuna is down the list of national stars that they push. When you take away the regionality, you take a lot of what makes these things special, makes them unique, makes them stand out in a very, very and in increasingly crowded marketplace. Yeah. And I question, uh, and, and, and I would hope that you're right that, like, eventually market pressures and, like, the <laughs> I'm going to say something I don't believe. They'll see they can only grow so big. And so uh, – <laughs> 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 they'll say, oh, it's a better investment for us to reallocate these funds and probably stop hoping for record-breaking growth every year. That's not how capitalists work. It's not how their brains work. So, like, yes, I would love for there to be a force or correction of, like, hey, this is too expensive. But I think what we might see is, hey, those other sports. They just don't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Stanford, you are just not going to have athletics anymore. Where Stanford is a funnel system to every other – excuse me, every actual Olympic sport
1: yeah mm-hmm. every like losing cal and stanford and their non-revenue sports will probably make the american olympic team you know quite definitely not the top medal winner contender every year in the cycle you're gonna you're going to see a lot of people being like what the heck man how are you like middle of the road at you know whatever olympics down the line this would be and it's like well it's because college football killed everything <laughs> you know <laughs> um like, I so i do think i mean i think there will be some of this is is about decisions made at those institutions with, like, just not knowing how much you were playing with fire by neglecting football, which is tough, and it's kind of a a crappy situation to be in um, as somebody who believes in, like, the worth of, like, all of those sports as an endeavor. Um, But, like, Cal Cal and Stanford both have proven they just don't care about this game or they don't care about it to the extent they care about the others. Right, And that's why there's nobody who's like really wants to dive in there and get, I mean, if you think about it, it's crazy. that like Cal Stanford is one of the biggest rivalries in the history of college football. Like it, it is produced part, if not for the kick six, it has produced the best ending of a college football game in history. Um, and yet like what kid now coming up playing football would care at all about Cal Stanford, or has, right. I mean, how long has it been since kids even cared about Cal Stanford? Probably like 30, 40 years. Yeah. Um, the only thing I think that keeps Cal alive in sort of like the psyche of young people is the fact that Marshawn Lynch and Aaron Rodgers played there. And Aaron Rodgers probably, most people don't know that, but people know the Marshawn Lynch driving a golf cart thing. And that's fading so that, now.
0: You say that, and I I used to work at a kids' camp when I talked to some of my friends who work in the summer. 12 year olds, they asked him, What is the first basketball team he could remember? He said the Kevin Durant Warriors. Man. <laughs> so like <laughs> we're old. Yeah. than we think.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess nobody's gonna remember the Kevin Durant, Texas Longhorns, right?
0: Oh <laughs> not like you did anything in a tournament. What up, Rick Barnes? Um Yeah, right. So yeah, I don't know. It's very strange. It's, it's one of those things like as I was, this was happening the same week people we were celebrating 50 years of hip hop. The same week I was like, let me check in on the Braves and see, oh my God, the Braves are killing people with baseball bats. Like it's one of those things where I was like, oh no, this thing, I I, I love like hip hop. That's my life. And to watch what happened over the last 30 years of my life, just the regionality get destroyed and because they were chasing money and then you one sound could sell. And now they're saying, you're hearing from the music business. We don't know how to find stars. We can find hits. We can't find stars. I'm like, well, that's because and and it's just really weird and frustrating to watch it happen. It's also weird and frustrating to watch people shoot themselves in the goddamn foot. Did you see Northwestern shirts at the start of camp? No. Oh, oh hold yeah, on.
1: Break it to going to get me
0: to pull it up and send it to you in the chat. Okay. Because um, for those of you who don't know, first of all, weird. Um, They... Had to fire Pat Fitzgerald because he oversaw a culture of hazing and brutality and sexual assault in that team that went unchecked for years. There are open lawsuits now that have extended beyond the football team, but have moved to include other organizations on campus. Um, I may have sent you a video article because I'm an idiot, but oh, yeah. uh, let me see if I can pull the an video. This whole pivot to video thing is really not working for me. Um, <laughs> but the shirts say cats against the world and have Pat Fitzgerald's old football number on them.
1: Aye,
0: aye, aye. Several Northwestern coaches were seeing wearing it.
1: First mm. of all, how
0: you don't fire everyone is beyond me. Yeah. You can't build a staff that quick. I get logistically why you wouldn't fire everyone, but man, you got to fire everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and two, is there a, is there a dumber way to give away your job jason to be like oh this guy who oversaw like the brutality of children make sure i wear this shirt supporting him
1: this is i mean this is like it's rough i guess it's rougher but like nobody in their right mind would have like worn a support sandusky shirt after penn state like those two situations are not entirely comparable but like when you know something has gone wrong to the point where people have been like sexually assaulted by other members members of their team at the very least if you like bristle at assault like at the very least like done really really bad violating things too um like the last thing you want to do is use that as your us against the world narrative you know like
0: let's 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 do this let's, do this. let's take this away from sandusky they took down joe pa's statue yeah there weren't a bunch of like support joe potty like that's if you want to like take the stuff away that's fine this is wild to me because it's and again i said this when i heard it right and it's a very serious topic but it's also like you don't even win it like how are you convince me to get beat up and like yeah. car washed and we've got one in 11 records dog like it's not working maybe we should try something else because this yeah. has rendered no results
1: yeah i mean it's it's that It's the thing where I, this is where I'm going to sound more like an old man, but I feel like we we're noticing it more in our culture writ large that like, there's just like a whole lot less shame about stuff you did that was wrong. If you can wrap it in a culture of, you know, I don't know, like this weird cultural, like masculine vibe of just, you know, yeah course we haze because we're men and we're playing football and that's what we do and it's like yeah but like this was bad objectively like it's not hard for any thinking person to sit for a second and go yeah your teammates shouldn't do that to you right and then to say like it's just such an american thing right now to say like no the thing you that everybody else says is bad and wants to make us feel ashamed for we're going to double down on and say it was actually good and it's part of our culture and you suck if you think it's bad you know so- like
0: I love talking to you because I have like a societal answer for this. It was in the sixties when nonviolent resistance worked and the white establishment was like, Ooh, you made us feel shame. You know what we'll do? We'll Mm -hmm. never feel shame again. And they conditioned shame from that point. They're like, you won't feel shame. And it's turned from lack of shame. The opposite of shame is pride. And that's how we're here now. Yeah.
1: Stars and bars, man. That's what, you know, like (laughs) we're not going to take the stars and bars down. We're going to fly out of our state house. We're going to let, we're going to put monuments up to people who like, we never gave a crap about before, but now that you've made us feel bad about it, like they're coming back, you know, like yeah, I just and I like obviously this is a football brain thing, right? This is a coach brain. Coach we brain, got, we're easy it, we're win. unite personal, the group, yeah. man. We got to go through this adversity together and like circle the wagons, which is also a bad metaphor for frontier stuff, and you know, <laughs> manifest destiny is also bad, you know, like but like I do think this is like a the way like. You can definitely tell that there's just, like, there's a football goggles moment here where, like, you can't hear how tone-deaf this is because you're so used to doing this with, like, every little thing against you so that you can get that extra piece of motivation and practice to, you know? And yeah. it's, like...
0: Can I say something you know, really horrible? Yeah. The, the tragedy of UVA lecture, which was just last season, which is wild. Mm-hmm. It happened at the end of the season protected us from that horseshit yeah from like the galvanizing like i'm so like i'm horrible i'm horrified it happened but if it had to happen if it happened like before camp oh buddy this is that would have been a gross ass season man um and, and you have that much just going try to do that i feel like this season I don't know, man them, them canceling the season and like walking away at the time felt like they're making like a level of mature decisions and i'm sure yeah. there'll be some level of let's honor our teammates who, who we lost but I don't think it'll be like a, uh, I don't think it'll be like a a, a, a tone deaf t-shirt on coaches walking into camp. <laughs> um, you haven't watched the documentary yet, but I want to, and, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but Johnny Mandel, there's an untold uh, documentary out on Netflix right now. It's like an hour and 15 minutes. They do A&M for like an hour and 10 minutes. So if you're <laughs> like, oh, need some insight to the Browns years," You're not going to get that. There's two yeah. things I want you to know. At one point, they look into his uh, – when he's with the Browns, because they, they give you tablets to watch film on. They call his agent and were like, hey, he hasn't watched much film. Like, well, how much is not much? 0.0, 0 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, that's, that's more audacious than watching not enough. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Not only am I not going to watch enough. On this device that you gave me that only plays football videos, I'm going to log. <laughs> zero. I'm not going to pay a hanger-on to watch it. I'm, you're going to log in to zero. Uh, just uh, chef's kiss. And also, yeah. the same year he won the Heisman, <laughs> this is so stupid, the runner-up was Manta because sports media is bad. <laughs> After that season, he was suspended for half a game for signing autographs for money. And the lie we were all told was that his grandfather had oil money and that's where he was, how he was partying so much. That was a lie. <laughs> he was giving his dad his grandfather the cash to write him checks on the money he was getting for signing for things. Man. And it's it's <laughs> positioned in the in the he's not positioned as a hero, and it's not and I don't want to say he goes as far as his position that he was like fighting for the little guy, but he did have his eyes open be like, sure a lot there were two jerseys in these stands. This ain't this some bullshit. And so he's not the hero you need, but it's like the worst person you know made a great point. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's very much that, but it's also very interesting because we just accepted that lie. Cause it was like a white kid from Texas. Meanwhile, you had like Todd Gurley, like signed one thing and it was just very strange how it's an interesting documentary. I'd advise you to watch it. Um, you'll enjoy it because it's very much that time when we were deep, deep, deep into that college football nonsense. And, uh, like at one point he's getting inducted into the ring of honor at kyle or i guess it's kyle field and he's like the stadium did not like this look like this when i came here And it's literally like you think about like he's the one who jimbo fisher owes johnny manziel a check like a lot of the money that's been generated by that program is because johnny manziel came in as a redshirt freshman and lit the world on fire yeah. and it's interesting to see and that's and honestly like as we we're watching with susan I was saying this is one of the reasons why i won't let my kid play football because it's beyond the physical elements it's designed to use you it's designed yeah. the best version of it uses you the the very best version so that's weird so before i get out of here i do want to talk about this we're both very internet people very online people you've seen this uh montgomery you've seen the the montgomery sweet tea party oh yeah we gonna am a fade in the water
1: yes absolutely yes. i want to talk about fade um, and the water
0: i don't know what to do with all of it i'm it's there's no it's a land of
1: contrast the faith in the water land of contrast
0: it is i'm not pausing because i feel any sort of guilt for anything i'm about to say i'm pausing because i want to find the best way to say it it is the best captured event of our lives it's the anti- Kennedy assassination, where there was like one, the Zapruder film was the, they had, I'm catching angles, people are like, what's your favorite part, they're saying shit I've never seen before, this is a week later, I'm getting alternate angles and voiceovers, and I'm like, here's where my man jumps in the water, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. like before it's we like- get into the, the nicknames and the memes, and my man with the chair, and before we get to any of that, like just the sheer amount of coverage, <laughs>
1: I just, it, they had more angles on this than like we have at football games to figure out there's better technology. No, hire one Ridge. of these dudes to direct the Georgia games. I, you should never not know if the ball crossed the end zone line. Like put the people who filmed this event on whatever it is we got to do to get that fixed. Because there's, if there's a camera angle, they can figure it out. These people had it down because <laughs> they're, as you say, I watched the one, like the main angle when it first came out. And then it's like, yeah, you can see, like, you can look and see Scuba Gooding Jr. doing his whole swim if you want to. Like, uh, it's it's magnet. It, it was the best day on Twitter, I would say, since Trump got COVID and Feral Hogs Day. Feral Hogs Day. <laughs> those two days.
0: <laughs> it was a great day on Twitter.
1: <laughs> those two days I feel like were the it was in that pantheon of Twitter days.
0: It it it, it was because like Temecula, everyone to Temecula. Temecula was big as oh, it was like yeah. during the Christmas downtime, and so it caught everyone's attention. This was like this was perfect because it felt like a football game. It felt like we were all watching a football game. And we all had opinions. Was it a catch? It was it was the perfect week zero fight. It was there was a clear good and bad guy. We were all cheering for the it was App State versus Michigan. And we're all cheering for App State. Like it was. And to watch App State not just win, but kick the shit out of Michigan. Was just it was so much fun as a Twitter event. Like people like, why are you still on Twitter? That that racist resume, I'm like, yes, but if I didn't use Things racist ran, I probably wouldn't use much. One and two, I can't get that at Blue Sky. Not yet. Y'all yeah, ain't ready. Y'all can handle the sheer volume of ridiculousness. The memes, oh come now. They don't always load now because Twitter's <laughs> successful, but when they do, they hit you in the soul. I mean,
1: just the sheer amount of laughter I've gotten from seeing white folding chairs placed in various contexts has just you just can't buy, you can't buy it man. There's no there's no There other was place a
0: video it. up later that day of a of like purportedly like a, a gun deal going down and the guy's selling someone else a folding chair. And I'm just like this is this is really <laughs> like you got the scope? Yeah, baby you don't miss, baby. I'm like <laughs> Someone had a, a chain. I want a chain with a folding chair, like, I keep that thing on me. Like, I really, <laughs> like, this is the, it is, it was like, it was, you know what it was? It was a college football Twitter test run. Yeah. It was like, let's see how we're getting ready for week zero. Let's make sure, and it's not going to go well. Slow and behold, <laughs> like, it, it fell apart in the middle. Like, it's not going to go well, but it will be interesting. It will be entertaining. <laughs> It'll be something. It will be something. I think that's the, the fairest assessment I can give. Something's going to happen.
1: <laughs> Women will be screaming, you know, like upset okay, about before stuff. I, before
0: I get you out of here, I had Chad on last week I got the official prediction from him. Everyone's heard about our official prediction. George is about to win the third national title and not lose a game again this year. Jason, okay. are you in a place of confidence? And mine will dissolve when toe hits other. Like mine will be, we're going to lose every game. But today, August 13th, Let's just size me up for a third one. Size me up for I, a third ring right now.
1: Yeah, I'm the wrong person to do that for you. Um the dark side is calling me these days, obviously, all the time. But um, I need
0: I need more dark side. I can't be I can't be this ready. I just think because it's never
1: happened and we're we're downplaying our own like iffiness at quarterback too. Like we're like we're looking around and going like Bama has an untested QB, you know, Ohio State has an untested QB and i forget who else we're thinking about but like you know of those two big programs and then like michigan is michigan uh so who are we really worried about um i think we are you know not quite realizing that like we're, we're throwing carson back out there and gonna see what happens like i i just think that he's we're obviously i think we're gonna make the playoff i think we're gonna make the playoff just because i think the schedule as you say lends itself to us sneaking our way in there. Um, I would think even if we don't play in Atlanta um, to be real bold, because if Tennessee goes undefeated and
0: I'm going to call the, you uh, twice a week just to get downers on Georgia. I need someone yeah. to bring me back to earth. This is great. This is perfect. I yeah. need to. Well, like, moment. My thought is Tennessee. I don't know who they're going to throw the
1: ball to, but they're going to find somebody. Um, and my, my, uh, my in-laws are Tennessee fans. so I think about Tennessee way more often than I should, you know, if Joe Milton verifies and like really is that good, Finally, the once in future, you know, canon of Knoxville or whatever. <laughs>
0: um,
1: if he starts hitting people wearing orange that are on the field and not hitting people wearing orange that are in the stands, I think Tennessee could have a real good run. And if they do, then that could be the game that we lose that sort of and especially since it's a divisional game, you worry of like In Knoxville. We could, yeah, we could have like a we could have a situation where you're looking around going, like, Georgia didn't make the championship game, but shouldn't they still get in? Um and then we just gotta hope that everybody else has been bad. Um, and I, my I, I, my, I
0: my counterpoint is that last year was a defensive rebuilding year, and that should horrify everyone.
1: Yeah, I mean that the the thing about this still in like Tennessee is really, I think, the only option.
0: That's the game. That's the game that circled starred. Why were yes. Auburn playing Auburn that early? is only good for us you don't play yes. auburn late that's when the auburn weirdness happens auburn early let's do this baby
1: <laughs> yeah and then i think you wonder about florida trying to nip at the heels and maybe ankle biting one time you know because florida can all, usually florida can always do it and now that they're finally cured if our,
0: if our coach wasn't Kirby smart and our oc wasn't mike bobo because say what you love about those two gentlemen they absolutely hate that fucking school and yeah, so, yeah. <laughs>
1: I think the one thing I'll say too about this is Josh Heupel might have a Mark Rick's problem in that he mm-hmm. is very good, but he is probably in a division with a coach that's just going to whip his ass every year. And yes. because he he's in a, in the same way that Mark Rick was inaugurated into the urban Meyer, Nick Saban era. I worry that Josh Heupel has arrived in the Kirby smart post Nick Saban era and he, his path to get to Atlanta is through what I think is going to go down as probably one of the best defensive minds in the history of college football. And like he has a system that's a cheat code, but the problem is, is that like he has to play like the final boss every year before he can go to the place that he wants to get Tennessee. And so I just, I just think that they might be running up against an immovable object and they're not in an unstoppable force. Especially, especially when really to, like it's
0: defense. really weird to be the final boss for once in our lives, isn't it? I know. It's super wild. It's a really scary still, feeling. a good really. man, thank you for joining us. Do you have anything you want to plug, share your wares on the internet?
1: No. I mean, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can't on you know, X or whatever, uh, you're welcome to. <laughs> it's so His tw- like,
0: mama name on Twitter. I'm going to call him <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, You want to, you want to follow me on Twitter um, at Jason is a Smith. but I don't, I, I just teach high school and raise kids these days. I don't do a ton of writing anymore. Um, But hopefully that's going to come back one of these days. If Georgia's not winning someone, you all
0: season, because I'm going to need the grounding, like after big wins, like if Georgia blows someone out, you're going to have Jason on the podcast. Like how Jason's been on seven times this season. Yeah, man. I need someone to drag me back down to earth. Remind me <laughs> Tennessee's still out there. Make me a little afraid. I really glad appreciate to,
1: that. Glad to spread the uh, the gloom whenever it's needed.
0: And excited to help, help to ask you to help me navigate this this child he may be born into a third national title in a row. Yeah. My goodness. Man, thanks for doing this. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. That was your show. There is no outro. See you guys next week.